Weirdo Weirdo Bookworms Unite! Unite. Do your reading tastes range from dystopian sci-fi to middle-grade fantasy? Dark psychological thrillers to gory body horror? From YA paranormal swords and sorcery? Extraterrestrials? Murder? Mayhem! And beyond! Then we want to share our love of reading with you! Welcome home. Hey, Genre Junkies. It's Scott's very belated birthday episode. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Scheduling I mean, got a little ahead of us. I mean, it's only like, it's, it's not quite like, a month. It, it, it's not quite a month. It's almost a month. Not quite. <laughs> um, Scott's birthday was the first week of May, Cinco de Mayo, May 5th. And um, and now we're doing this. Yeah, but I mean, it's okay. You know, it's better late than never. To give you a mind-bending science fiction episode, right? There is no better time than the present for mind-bending science fiction. So tonight we're going to be talking about Rabbits by Terry Miles. But before we do that, um, tell us tell us something you want to share with the class, Scott. All right. Everybody, if you have not seen Everything Everywhere All at Once yet, you need to go to... Whatever theater, I don't care how far you have to drive to get to it because I know it's not get playing on a everywhere. Plane, <laughs> it is. Oh, see it. It is worth seeing in the theater. Of course, it is outstanding, unbelievably good. It's um, if you like, <laughs> if you like that movie, you'll like this book and vice versa. Even though they're nothing alike, but they're a lot alike. <laughs> I I I do understand what you're saying, and I did think it was, you know. A little bit ironic that we were reading this at the same time. It was Surreal, not intentional, but mind bending. It's all the same, but lots of like laughs and heart, but also not alike at all. I mean, everything <laughs> everywhere. If you like kung fu movies, if you like The Matrix, if you like um, heartfelt independent dramedies, it's got it all. It yeah. really does. Wonderful, wonderful film from the best studio on planet Earth, A24. No, that's a very good recommendation did we talk about the northman on this show i don't think that we did so we also saw the northman recently which i was looking so forward to robert eggers i would I'd take a bullet for that man um <laughs> scott said a perfectly crafted movie for me for sandra it was just it was, and i loved it it was a love letter to sandra and i absolutely loved it it's um it's so like brutal and gory you guys but also just gorgeous and spiritual spiritual and pagan and of course shakespearean but you know like how we because it like inspired yeah you know you know you know it's just perfect it was just perfect for me what else oh there was something else oh over on spooky slumber party emma and i reviewed uh the sadness so you can't forget about that you gotta go listen to that I, Not for the squeamish or faint of heart. No. And for the record, romaine is my favorite lettuce. Is your favorite. Is my favorite. I like Romaine's the, a, f- a dignified, fine lettuce. You can serve it as whole leaf with some stuff on top of it. You can mm-hmm. slice it, you know, long ways or, or widthwise into strips. Sure. You can cut it any which way. It Roll tastes it. good. It it absorbs, you know, it's it's a good lettuce. Romaine is a great base. <laughs> for most salad dishes um poor listeners some of you are very confused right now what if you just if you just listen (laughs) spooky slumber party you'll be in on the joke you'll be in on the hottest movement there is let us talk okay well i think that's pretty good we gave the people some recommendations yes indeed happy Uh, birthday scott thank you very much so please introduce our listeners to rabbits (laughs) 
Rabbits by Terry Miles. Are you playing? <laughs> a deadly underground game might be altering reality itself in this all-new adventure set in the worlds of the hit Rabbits podcast. It's an average workday. You've been wrapped up in a task and you check the clock when you come up for air, 4.44 p.m. You check your email and 44 unread messages have built up. With a shock, you realize the date is April 4, 4-4. And when you get in your car to drive home, your odometer reads 44,444. Coincidence? Or have you just seen the edge of a rabbit hole? Rabbits is a mysterious alternate reality game so fast it uses the entire world as its canvas. Since the game started in 1959, 10 iterations have appeared and 9 winners have been declared. The identities of these winners are unknown. So is their reward, which is whispered to be the NSA or CIA recruitment, vast wealth, immortality, or perhaps even the key to the secrets of the universe itself. But the deeper you get, the more dangerous the game becomes. Players have died in the past, and the body count is rising. And now the 11th round is about to begin. Enter Kay, a rabbit's obsessive who has been trying to find a way into the game for years. That path opens when Kay is approached by billionaire Alan Scarpio, rumored to be the winner of the sixth iteration. Scarpio says that something has gone wrong with the game and that Kay needs to fix it before 11 starts or the whole world will pay the price. What? So, after finding quite a bit of buzz around this, um, we decided we had to we had to get in on this. We had to be a part of this, um, even though I have not explored the podcast limb of this, and I'm sure if I had, the book would be even richer and even more fun. So I, I do plan to go down that rabbit hole for lack of a better word um i i wanted to be able to say that it was still absolutely brilliant having myself no relation to the podcast at all i agree this um oh nothing short of an absolute um absolute page turner so this book uh 100% hits the page turner status for me and I agree with you. There is no need to be invested in the podcast at all for this story. It is 100% standalone. I didn't realize that there even was a podcast until a little bit later in my read. Mm-hmm. Um, I was looking up something that I think we're going to discuss in a moment and realized at that point that there was a podcast. And I went up down a little bit of a rabbit hole to see if this was a retelling of that podcast. And it super is not right right the podcast is its own story placed in the same like setting right um but i mean the author does a fantastic job of making this completely a standalone product and that's so smart too to like give people um ways to explore something that they love but also having it be approachable and like you know if you just knew about the podcast and suddenly you're like there's a book or vice versa then you're already like you're already immersed you're already bought in mm-hmm. um yeah i think that's really really smart this book was an absolute page turner for me um i found it to be such a delight and so much fun to read the title headings are freaking hilarious yeah. and then they're always like a line in the book mm-hmm. um it was very referential and fun but I felt like a lot of people could relate to the references in this. You know what I mean? They were really broad. They weren't just about like, 
like very niche cultures. Yeah, they weren't just a, <laughs> yeah, they weren't just about incredibly niche things. I think I understand where you're coming from with that, and I will just go ahead and say this uh, falls into kind of the same sort of subgenre as Ready Player One. Uh, I will say that in whereas Ready Player One relies very heavily on cultural references, particularly from the eighties. This relies on connections, just the way things connect to each other. To not get too yes. spoilery with it, it's uh, it's a little bit more. The characters are a little bit more cerebral. The game requires that of them, mm. um, and it's also a lot more mind bending than you would expect from a, a subgenre such as that. I'm looking for the exact person that quoted this, and I can't find it but uh, they said it good they said it perfectly they said it's like ready player one meets haruku murakami <laughs> and i was like i love that i so so love that whoever said that's a genius um yeah so i we've touched a little bit on ready player one in this this podcast and there's you know <laughs> there's some controversy surrounding the author and it's just it puts a bad taste in both of our mouths so uh we're not trying to laud that book as like the the you know the best oh ever. certainly not it's just there's something reminiscent about it and i feel that rabbits does it so much better i agree yeah uh, that's and i'm glad i'm glad that you brought me around like to that. this is more blake crouch yes than ernest klein thank you yes perfect i think that ready player one introduced a lot of us and, and kind of created the term easter egg uh, Easter egg hunt fiction. Yeah, sure. But uh, but this is you know better. <laughs> <laughs> but this though better. Like I said, more more. If you're looking at all, you're leaning more towards a Blake Crouch here. I like that comparison to Blake Crouch. It wasn't. It, I uh, I didn't immediately jump to that, but now that you say it, it's 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 exactly right. There's there's a level of this that uh, I was called kind of thinking of it as annihilation light. There's something kind of um, surreal about it. Mm -hmm. um, there's a weirdness to it. It's very yeah. There's a little bit of weird fiction to this, um, but a lot more digestible. Yeah, <laughs> than, uh, to me anyway. Yeah. So we're dealing with this um, these characters that are playing this game called rabbits, and you're not supposed to talk about rabbits. It's, it's much akin to Fight Club like that, and you look for weird patterns and anomalies and things that, that just don't quite fit. And then that's your clue, your jumping off point. And then like you have to dissect that and it leads you to another thing and to another thing and to another thing and to another thing. So you can see like the danger in this game because you could just fall away from reality mm. and just completely go down 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 and then eventually people you know they'll do this they'll go down these rabbit holes and then they'll hit a dead end and then they have to start all over again with a new clue mm -hmm. or they spiral into madness presumably and where do these connections come from are these connections part of reality are these things that just people are making up in their heads creating connections where nothing exists all of these are questions that may be asked in a story such as this um yeah and and again so funny like so so funny um so our main character is named k like the letter k <laughs> um k it's is, short for something 
But you'll never find but out. But you'll never find out what. So Kay is not assigned a gender in this book, which we've seen um, in some other books. Yes. That we've read too. And that's what some I. Some Scalzi books. And that's what sent me to the internet um, earlier because I have been fooled before and I won't be fooled again. Um, yeah. And Kay is absolutely wonderful. I totally love Kay. I was completely invested in them. I loved them so much. Same thing with Chloe, who is um, their. Uh, their partner in this mm-hmm. in this caper um the characters like the magician and baron and so many more interesting we people we meet and everybody's like different ages and like different ethnicities and it's so diverse and so cool and Kay has a lot of friends and you know some of them being genuinely supportive friends it's a nice thing to see this this little um this little group that Kay has around themselves. Yeah, and it's kind of like kind of cool that like, you know, people kind of know about this game, but you're not supposed to talk about this game, but and then it's like, well, what do you win? And it's like this whole whole thing. And in the and in the description it talked about 1959, but there was like an ancient version of the game before that. So it's like you're part of this really old thing that you don't totally understand that you can't really talk about. And sometimes it takes you to bizarre places on the dark web and and beyond. They also obviously do a great job. Terry does talking about the dark web and explaining that it's not, you know, what your grandparents think their credit cards get stole on. <laughs> oh my God, there's a line here. This is one of my favorite lines. I knew this guy was trouble. Every once in a while, I get somebody like this, a YouTube comment section complaint in Human 4. <laughs> oh, sounds good. Um, one thing that I love that this book focuses on is something that I'm very, very interested in, the Bader-Meinhof phenomenon. Um, which is aka the um, recency bias or frequency illusion phenomenon, which is like where you hear about something, then suddenly you see it everywhere. Yes, which is not a really, you know, it's 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 just because it's like on your mind, you know, you know about it, you see it everywhere, and they talk about in the book how it's kind of part of that, like how you can kind of slip away from reality thing a little bit because sometimes things are just things, and sometimes coincidences aren't anything but the idea that there could be this vast game that is being played out all around you and how do you how do you know how do you know when the coincidences are real so really quickly before we dive too far um into the spoiler section which we'll of course give you a warning about um so much theory crafting to be had (laughs) so much conversation i really can't say enough how much i did enjoy the characters and the world that this um that this whole this whole story of rabbits takes place in like i said i was really committed to k i really think this is such a cool way to get a whole diverse group of of characters and different people together i think it was really brilliant i think it was really sweet it has a lot of heart it doesn't rely solely on this crazy what is happening what is this game like i mean it would have been a fun book to read if it was really just focused on on the story and the setting but it has so much love and humor and mirth <laughs> dare yeah. i say mirth 
I think this book lives and dies by its secondary characters, honestly. Um, you could tell this story in, in, in a way that just focuses around Kay, and it would still be good. But um, what I love the most about this is the cast of characters in it. So we got to give you our appeal score. For me, I'm saying this is a pretty squarely broad book. I can think of a lot of different readers that this would be a good fit for for me. I mean, I think it braids a hair into mass on a, a hair, a rabbit, a hair, <laughs> H-A-R-E, into mass. Um, because I think that it doesn't feel like... Like anybody's being excluded. Like Kay knows a, a a little bit of stuff, but Kay doesn't know like everything there is to know. Right. You know, there'll be characters that be like, "How much do you know about this blah 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 scientific theory?" And Kay will be like, uh, "I know some." And you know, that's like what people say when like we literally have just heard of like the the term before. Yeah, like, I saw a TikTok about it once. <laughs> yeah, nothing about it feels like it's so inside baseball that like you have to be a part of some club in order to to get it. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I mean? So, I, and, but I think a lot of readers have a lot of fun with this book. I think that they're, you know, I, I'm falling into a, a general appeal for it. Um, it's certainly more than just the science fiction nerds that would love it. Um, I think that there is definitely... Uh, I feel that there definitely is a grounding in science fiction and a little bit of weird fiction that's totally. that's required to enjoy it. Um, I, I don't know if... Uh, you know, just hardcore horror fans are necessarily going to jump over into this. You know what I I can you just said and it made me think of it. It could be a gateway drug. You th see, so you think so? Yeah, I think if you are like I'm, I want to read some crazy science fiction, but it doesn't have to be names of aliens I can't pronounce <laughs> or whatever. It's like, oh, that's okay. Like this would be a good entry point because it's very contemporary mm. so i i uh you know i i think i i hope that you're right i feel i feel well, a little I bit right. i feel a little bit less and more in the general category i think that this is uh mass in the category of millennials I felt very seen in a lot of this. I think also a lot of, uh, I don't want to separate necessarily into into generations, but I think Gen X would get a lot out of this as well. There's some boomer references too, though. Like there totally is. Yeah, but yeah. I don't I don't know many boomers that would necessarily understand uh, a lot of the cultural uh, generational feelings and experiences that this really dives into. Oh my gosh, boomers, send your hate mail to Scott. <laughs> Sorry. That's sorry. Chunkies. Boomers, I don't think this is for you. Boomers, I'm saying get in here. <laughs> Save this room for everybody in this clown car. And I don't understand Gen Z, so I don't know. <laughs> oh, I, no, I think it's... Well, and one of the things that's cool is like we talked about the characters that are all different ages of walks of life, and that's part of what makes me think that this could be appealing to all different sorts of ages and walks of life, too. Okay. We're going to go to the spoiler section. I don't have a trigger warning, but I do have something that I got to get off my chest that might be a little sensitive to some some of us. And I'll be the first thing I say at the top of the spoiler section. I hope that's okay with everybody. All right. Well, then we'll see you all in the spoiler section. I can't wait to theorycraft with you. Hey, Bookworm Buddy, don't forget, subscribe, rate, and review. And while you're at it, find us on Instagram at Genre Junkies. Okay, and I'm sorry to sound... Like, if you think this sounds lame or whatever, 
But as somebody that, you know, for quite a bit of time, if you've been listening to this show for a long time, you know that I've been a non-drinker. I've been sober for almost a year and seven months. And I have to say, damn, these characters drink a lot. Interesting. And I just notice it maybe a lot more as a non-drinker. But I was just like, wow, <laughs> these characters drink a lot. I mean, I... And again, it's not like, it, hmm. I, I don't know, for me, it's not triggering. I, I Of course, dr- your characters that drink a lot could be triggering for some people. So I guess I kind of wanted, like I said, to get it out there. But they do. They're always dipping into the wine or the vodka or the something. I guess you're right. There really is always kind of a, a libation involved, or at least a conversation of having a libation. Yeah, um, I just wanted to get that off my chest. Interesting. It did not, at the end of the day, have any um, bearing on how I felt about this book. But if you if you're struggling with sobriety, that could be something that that is relevant. Yeah. So now here are the spoilers. Five, four, three, two, one. You've been warned. Um, I did love this book. I did love this. Oh, book. me too. I thought this was an absolute delight. I thought this was so much fun to read. I exactly as Page Turn describes. I hated putting it down i wanted to keep reading and part of it is again those damn chapter titles because you see what like one is and you're like oh oh i've got to read this this sounds too good and it's a lot of fun particularly because you're trying to figure out where it's going and what is going on right um so you know this is kind of a None of none none of it is really answered at the end of the day. Like there's a whole lot of answers that are yeah. given to you throughout the book. Okay, it's sort of a multi-dimensional uh, you know, Thinky. multiverse sort of situation, you know, come, But it also it, could be not. Yeah, it it comes <laughs> you get you get stuff like uh the Mandela effect and what's causing all of that. And then by the end of it, you have Scarpio say, "Oh no, none of that's that's that none of that's true. And that's his perspective. Right. And it doesn't necessarily make it right. And one thing I like is I feel the way I read it is that all of the characters have their biases, but nobody really knows. Like everybody kind of tells him, well, especially Emily, like, well, we, I, I don't know exactly how it works, but it's kind of like this. And, you know, obviously Crow has his is kind of like this. And I love that I wouldn't say this book is ambiguous at the end. I would say it's just open. And I and I love ambiguity, but I don't know if like you're supposed to know at the end of this book. So I guess it, amb- ambiguous is probably the the closest word I can come to it because you can kind of have your own theories and opinions on it. Um, it walks you through those theories. It walks you through. Uh, building your own theory right. uh, a lot more than some of the more ambiguous books that we've read in the past. Uh, it is left quote unquote ambiguous at the end, but it does a lot of work uh, to help you structure a theory. Um, like you, like there's Emily has a theory where she thinks there's like, you know, kind of this well of like souls and it's like you, you like dip a little, <laughs> a little dipper into the soul and it goes into all these different person's lives, mm-hmm. you know, but you could ask Swan or you could ask crow which are both birds now that i think of it oh going down a rabbit hole or you could ask (laughs) chloe or you could ask whoever and they might or they might not agree with that like you know what i mean yeah and i think that that's really really cool because i'm i'm very happy that after reading this book i don't know quote unquote what terry miles wanted us to say oh this is absolutely what it is 
Yeah. I didn't want that to happen, and I'm glad it didn't. And it leaves, you know, it leaves room for not only uh, the author to write more stories in this world Mm -hmm. and still leave things up to the reader and to the protagonists uh, past and future of this story. It also leaves you with the ability to think of extra ideas, even things that weren't brought up in the book. It, It makes your theories and your thoughts on the universe in general uh, it leaves it leaves you very open to anything that you think is not wrong. It's right. Yeah, I, I'm. I'd be totally down if one day through the podcast or through another story, the author tells us, "Okay, so this is what's really happening." But I didn't want it to be right now. You know what I mean? I wanted it to be open, and I love that the end of the book ends with them going down another rabbit adventure. I love that. I'm like that is so fun to me i like the idea at the end because it, it, it seemed like once you you know once you played the game or especially once you won the game you didn't really play the game anymore there was kind of a suggestion that once you'd won the game you were kind of on the inner circle right and you were almost like i almost felt like you were kind of controlling it in a way because like the person that's been killing winners and players is theoretically no longer if it was just crow acting by himself right Right, although Crow was tapping into the nature of the game to have that happen, so I still feel like that's something, you know, people disappearing, people dying is still something that's going to happen from the game, even though the tower has been been brought down. And I think what makes it more um, heartfelt and uplifting if they're going to play, which they are this time around, is Kay and Chloe are, you know, they're a couple now. It's like, you know, they've gotten through all the nitty gritty. So Kay could now tell Chloe, oh, look, the the cloud is coming. And like, Chloe would be like, right, the cloud, you told me about this. Like, they don't have to keep secrets from each other anymore. Right. And so that's like, um, makes the game less horribly frightening. <laughs> like, that Kay is also battling their own inner turmoil and history. I also get I also get my own personal feelings from the story that the game is cyclical. I feel I like I feel like that the tower event is part of every game. I feel yeah. like it's not really necessarily oh this only happened in this particular uh, iteration of the game. I feel like every winner has to defeat the um the man in the tower. Right, and it might not be crow or, right. Or, you know, and it might. And it might not be the same res- results or the same reason or the same thing that's happening, but there's always kind of, uh, like you said, a final boss. Right. And I, I think there's always a final boss, but it's not like it's always exactly a person in this tower. You know what I mean? Because that would be really boring and nobody would care anymore. Right. But, um, and the idea that the game was created to, uh, to save this strange scientific event of these, you know, ley lines, if mm-hmm. you will. Uh, you know, obviously every single time the winner has to basically reconstruct them and save them. Right. What's breaking them? Um, that's perfect segue to this quote that I love. Yes, I think the multiverse may be in danger, I said finally. Well then, what I can't believe is that it's somehow up to you and me to fix it. Let's avoid the chosen one bullshit and just go back <laughs> to the beginning. <laughs> And it's like, I so appreciate that because you know that that this author's like, everybody who's reading this book has read so much Chosen One stuff. It's okay. Sure. Case of the Chosen One. Sure, sure, sure. We don't need to live there. Like, let's keep going. <laughs> so smart. 
And I, maybe it's just because I have the knowledge that uh, the podcast exists as well, that the the world feels bigger than just this book. Yeah. Like, I, I would absolutely believe that there are 30 other quote-unquote chosen ones yes. that got the same basic because that's the whole thing about the game is everyone kind of gets their own start into it everyone kind of gets their own hint and everyone kind of plays their own game in a way it's yeah. not everything is not necessarily happening in seattle there's lots of different places it's just that their it game is in seattle exactly and so if if i found out that there was you know 60 other players who all were approached by somebody who said hey you need to save this. And that's basically how they're introduced in the game. I believe it. Um, a perfect example of humor that I love so much near the end of the book when they go to talk to Sandra Aikman. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and we explained that we were looking for information about something we'd recently discovered using a DNA mapping service. We told Sandra Aikman that Mordecai Kubler was Chloe's grandfather. We totally lied. <laughs> like, they lie all the time in this book. They, oh my gosh. One thing I like too is. You know, like how Chloe disappears, and but Chloe thinks that Kate disappeared, and mm-hmm. Easton disappears, and different people do. Um, but if you're not really dead, you come back. But when people are dead, they're gone. Yeah. And I think that that's good. <laughs> you know, I think that that's okay. And um, I feel like it would have cheapened the story for me if we were just bringing dead people back to Let, life all over the place. Let's just go to a different dimension where they're still alive. Or Crow's whole mission, you know? Right. And it's like, no, just sometimes dead is dead. Sometimes people get misplaced or misfiled in this world, but they but when you're dead, you're gone. Uh how much of a bombshell though was Emily's Oh, that broke my heart. It broke mine too. And I didn't necessarily know where I wanted that to go. I felt so... I knew where I wanted it to go. I felt so much compassion for Emily. And if this was Emily's book, I would have wanted her to win. But this isn't Emily's book. This is Kay and Chloe's book. And I was going to write hate mail if Kay (laughs) did not choose Chloe because... You can go after something that somebody says, no, this is the real way. This is how it's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. But if it's not your lived experience, it's pointless. Kay would spend their entire life thinking about Chloe. Right. It's like, that's... (sighs) Because once you've forgotten about something, once that that, uh, dimensional shift happens and you, you forget something and you start living in this other reality and that's your experience, that old reality is, isn't, isn't real anymore. And there's no really way to make it real again. No, and I feel like Emily can go on and have more story, but that Kay would not be really doing a service to Emily by staying with her. Although it seems that Emily might be gone. She might be, or she just doesn't want to be found. Because I feel like the end of the game is the reality The reality that you are placed in mm-hmm. is, the real, is your ideal timeline Mm -hmm. it's where you want to be and it structures it around you this Mm -hmm. this quantum computer that it is supposedly built out of says okay this is how you wanted everything to go now you're the winner you have lots of money you're with the people that you love you know the people who died along the way we can't bring them back but this is this 
for setting you where you want to be. I think Emily's going to find a good place. I think that Emily doesn't want to be anywhere involved. This would be way too painful to be near Kay. So I think that she just doesn't want to be found. And if everything is to be taken at face value in regards to Emily and what she was doing, she clearly knows how to jump dimensions. Yeah, she's going to be okay. So she can find herself where she where she needs to be. Um, What do you think Alan was doing that whole time? <laughs> Was he just chilling at the lake house this whole time? Where was he? See, that's, that's you know. He said he had something to do or whatever. I mean, that's where it kind of comes down to where either uh, Scarpio having been a previous winner, supposedly. <laughs> supposedly. <laughs> I hate it when people say that. But, yeah. um, but, but was either the catalyst to get Kay into the game mm-hmm. or um, was also disappeared, slipped into a different dimension, but didn't die. Yeah. And part of Kay's ideal reality to be dropped into at the end of winning the game was finding Scarpio. Yeah. Was Scarpio being alive. I think I'm somewhere close to that. Like Alan had his role to play to get Kay into the game and then had to be out of the way until it was time to rescue Kay at the end of that driveway. And the question just really comes at the end of the day. Did, was Scarpio... Uh, was Scarpio knowledgeable about huh. this role that he was playing or was he just a puppet of the game? Uh, I think knowledgeable. I think because you know why I feel this way is because I feel like our little hint was Hazel or or Hazel's person. Uh-huh. I mean, we're just to say Hazel for sake of argument. Kay said, Kay and Chloe said, hey, we need your help. And then like all this time later, when Kay legitimately needed help, he's like, I'm here. You said you needed help. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it makes me think that like certain players, maybe previous winners, maybe it's a previous winner thing. Mm-hmm. They know when to hold them, when, no, no, when to fold them. They know when to like pop in and when to be gone. They're, they're the major NPCs. Right. Because I think Easton likes helping and guiding people, but also really likes playing and isn't done playing. Love her, by the way. But then she's also kind of like, don't come looking for me because she knows like, this is your tale right now. I'll pop up again later when it's time. But you know what I mean? Like everybody. And then once you're a winner, you're seeing this whole other side of reality and everything. So you're doing your own, you're doing your own thing. Um, so you, so you seem, cause you mentioned it, like you kind of like the analog, <laughs> the computer, the uh, theory or what, or what do you think? You're talking about the the quantum computer? Yeah, you mentioned it. I I did, and I I thought that was interesting that they kind of suggested that this was a a quantum computer built back in the 1950s that created this game. Um, I'm not going to pretend that I know everything about quantum computing. It's one of those things that I've I've dabbled into and read. Uh, I think it's cool. It's it's an interesting theory that, you know, it kind of goes into... Um, they talked about this without nailing it down when they talked about determinism and they talked about quantum mechanics and quantum theory and quantum computing. Quantum leap. It kind of plays into simulation theory, which as you know, I'm a very big fan of. You are. You are indeed. And I'm not not a fan. And so the kind of the idea is, is that either, you know, this world is ultimately run by a computer and is a simulation, which I kind of like that idea, or a computer was able to tap into an uh a before unrealized scientific effect that has you know kind of the control over the multiverse and space time i'm so fine with so many different things i'm right now having just finished the book i'm not landed on a theory i like that theory 
Um, I I'm just very open. I'm very open. This is and and I have to give this book a huge round of applause because as you listeners may remember, I'm not a huge fan of ambiguity. And I am. But in this book, I actually, I love it. I also have not settled on this is what I think is happening because I, I, I genuinely feel like the author doesn't necessarily know exactly what is happening because at the end of the day, it's not important what is actually happening. It's important what you as the reader take from it. Right. What you as a reader think. This book makes you think. The whole game is about thinking and making these connections and reading between the lines. Right. And, you know, as I said earlier, he does such a good job of providing all of these steps and breadcrumbs for you to create your own theories. Yeah. Holds your hand and walks you down 16 different paths for you to connect things in whichever way you want. Yes. That it's kind of a masterclass in that sort of ambiguity Mm -hmm. that does work for me. I, I totally agree. And I see it very microcosm, macrocosm sort of thing that like, Okay, it doesn't it doesn't matter what the end source is. The fun is the playing of it. And that's kind of true of life. Like, so what? You need to have your friends, you need to have the people you love, you need to have your Chloe's and your K's and your magicians and your cool places you hang out. That's what matters is just all of the things that make up a life. Cuz if you spend your whole time just trying to get to the end, just trying to find the reason of everything, you're going to miss the point. You're going to miss the journey. All right. So, I mean, it's hard always to give these types of books ratings because they give you a lot of big feelings. I hate this score. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to give this story um, four and a half dimensions out of five. I I greatly loved it. Um, I think it's a home run. I think it's beautiful and wonderful, and I'm here for rabbits. I'm here for it all day, every day. I'm giving this four out of five dimensions. I want more, and I'm excited that there is more. I'm very excited to listen to the podcast. Uh, I feel like there's so much room in this world and this setting to explore and play with different characters and different scenarios that uh, I'm on board and excited for it. I also have to say... There was a person I had in mind when I was reading this book that I really, really wanted them to read it. And that would be Kelly, my my sister at Spooky Slumber Party, the Scream Queen. Absolutely. Kelly will love this book. And there's references in this book that uh, will Kelly like. will particularly yeah, like. I agree. So I already told her, don't listen to the spoiler section quite yet because you got to read this. But I have a feeling, yeah, she's just going to go so hard into this world so yeah i just wanted to say that little shout out little shout out moment okay everybody thank you so much for taking this um this mind-bending multiverse of madness (laughs) trip with um with with us um the role of dr strange was played by stitches um thank you scott thank you sandra please keep reading past your bedtime